Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today, our co-host, Daniel McAdams. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Good. Good. We have to try and save the taxpayers' money. But boy, do we have a job for ourselves. No kidding. It it still amazes me, you know, how we spend the money, whether it's domestic welfareism, special interests, or or wars going around the world, uh, how resilient (laughs) this uh, system of uh, of fakery, (laughs) you know, the fake system, artificial money, the whole works, it keeps working. But I don't think the people who have written uh the rules of uh, economic policy and there are some rules to follow that you can't do it forever and eventually it gets caught up and there's a lot of shaky stuff in the economy and certainly there's a lot of shaky stuff in our foreign policy because people uh, people have been conditioned around the world that the dollar will be here and we just want they want dollars and they live by the dollars and right now you know we have helped create very much involved in the mess uh, in the Middle East as, as well as Ukraine. And uh, the people who are out front saying, well, we have to save humanity, uh, they say, we're going to do it with, uh, with the American dollar. Yeah. And, and, and there's no, no question about it. Nobody says, well, you know, uh, it, it isn't a question of, uh, are we going to get money for Ukraine and not take care of our borders? Can we do both and back and forth? It's, it's never a question of whether we should be doing it, but uh, they, they keep saying they don't really uh, seem concerned about the fact that no matter what they're doing, they want more money. And that's what's uh, going on right now. Zelensky, uh, he, he's back here uh, this third, third time now. Oh, yeah, third time. His a hands charm. are out, his pockets are full. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what I are think, they full of? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think he spent it all to American industries in the military industrial complex, and now he has a lot of weapons, and, uh, and they haven't done as well as he thought. Uh, you know, uh, he, um, he, th- he thought it would be much easier. And uh, the one thing. Uh, we, we will talk about uh, today uh, is him coming here to ask for another 60, 60 billion dollars. Yeah. But, but you know, uh, I, what I, I don't, don't think they talk a lot about, because I hear it every single night if I spend my 30 seconds on every station, and it's always the same story, you know, that uh, we have to... We have to do this because uh, the Russian invasion, everything is dated from the day the Russians invaded and took over, uh, you know, Ukraine. They never suggest that maybe the real precipitation of this had something to do with NATO, United States, breaking rules, breaking promises, and that... uh, that might have precipitated, you know, events. I think you could make a similar article uh, argument with the Middle East. Maybe past events precipitated people overreacting, and then all of a sudden you forget about what the precipitating events were. And uh, it's not so simple. He, they invaded us, and that's it. So that's what, that's what it is, to stir it up. And yet uh, more Americans and more in the Congress are saying, you know, this is, uh, this is not a wise thing to do. We can't do this forever. But sometimes even those who say no money for, uh, uh, for Ukraine uh, until 
they spend money on doing uh, much closer to what they ought to be doing. Uh, so they said, no, we, we can't do this. And, but it, it isn't the principle that we're, we're broke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is just adding fuel to the fire, and it's going to be terrible. But Zelensky was here, got up earlier this morning, huh. I think, started visiting with the senators, and he's pro it's a propaganda stunt. And uh, I wonder... We haven't given him honorary citizenship. Yet, <laughs> Not yet. That's when he flees. <laughs> yeah. so that'll come next. We, we, they, might, they might try something like that. Because I thought when uh, people like Z Zelensky and Assad and these other people, when they would come to town and, uh, and they're very controversial, the first thing they do, or one of the things they do, they prop them up at the head of our legislative body, yeah. the House. And uh, I just sort of thought the House would be a little bit more reverent about what they're yeah. supposed to be doing. But no, they get these people in here, and uh, I doubt if he'll be in front of the Congress today. No. no but he's lobbying, and, uh, you know, they're so upfront. He, he, does, he has parties and, and, and goes and talks and socializes with the military industrial complex yeah. right out in front as yeah. if uh, as if it's a big secret it's not so deep anymore it's so overflowing yeah. so anyway he's here in town he wants more money he's probably going to get something because if you're not for giving it to him that means you like tyranny under putin yeah. and the russians are coming and you better be prepared scare the people and right now they're assuming they haven't scared them enough if we keep scaring the people the people will find give them the money give them the money so the russians don't invade us uh it's it's pretty disgusting because the solution could be so simple why don't you just obey the constitution on the rules of engagement of wars and that would take care of it yeah it's i mean it is desperation time it's the final week there's a bookend here, and that is that Congress wants to be out for Christmas. Uh, and there could be all sorts of things going on, but they don't want to, unless there's some real political gain, they don't want to stick around when they get time off. That's one thing that we do know. So they literally have probably next week will be their last week in session. So they've got to get this money passed. Uh, they, the Republicans tried with the give us some money for the border and we'll give you some money for Zelensky. That hasn't worked out that awfully well. So um, the next phase in this desperation is the invitation for Zelensky uh, to come to the U.S. Now, he's straight out of attending the inauguration in Argentina, where he had a big hug with Malay, the new president there, they had a nice time together. And then he was invited to come up here and have a private visit, a private meeting with the uh, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, uh, with uh, McConnell, and with Schumer, the three of them support giving money to Ukraine. Uh, so they're going to have a talk about that. But it does definitely seem like some desperation and some anger on his part. Uh, now, we talked about it. I think we mentioned it on the show. But last week, there was supposed to be a call between uh, the Senate, the members of the Senate, and Zelensky. He was going to phone in and do a Zoom meeting, I guess, to try to... Uh, demand more money. Uh, but some Republicans got a whiff of it uh, and decided not to attend. They, th they thought the whole thing was, was set up and was bogus. So they left and he had a, a hissy fit and canceled the whole thing, which didn't look good for him. So, so this is an attempt, I think, to come in person. The problem is, is that uh, Zelensky kind of has a reverse Midas touch. The more people get to know him, the more they see him in his smelly uh, sweat clothes that he wears all the time, the less they like him. Uh, he doesn't have that charm 
that he had, ironically, when he was here the first time and he did address Congress, he said, what happens in Bakhmut will be the, uh, the symbol of this war. And unfortunately for him, they got trounced in Bakhmut, right? <laughs> so, so here you go. Put up that first thing. But here is a not good first move by Zelensky when he got to town. Zelensky says Putin is inspired by the Capitol Hill deadlock on Ukraine. Uh, and he said it in an even worse way than that. Hence our title, uh, which is that uh, he's claiming that Republicans who are hesitant are inspiring Putin. Now let's listen to Zelensky. Now I would say this, Dr. Paul, in his own words, but you watch him deliver this. We're going to listen to a minute of this. Don't start it quite yet. You watch this and you tell me. Now there's a rumor that they've got about 100 PR firms uh, under contract in the D.C. Beltway. So there's a lot of our money going around. You listen to him read this speech very, very badly. And it's not just because he's not a native speaker. He's reading the words of some PR flack who wrote this, especially if you look at the turns of phrase. They're not something a Ukrainian would say. They're absolutely American. They're written by Americans, but they're written badly for him to deliver. And let's listen to him as he insults Republicans and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and demeans himself. Here we go. Let's put it up and listen to first minute Any of, of this. Any of you with a son or daughter in combat zone just wouldn't get it if they were, if they were told that protecting lives could wait because there's could wait because there's a little more debating. Let me be frank with you, friends. If there's anyone inspired by unresolved issues on Capitol Hill, it's just Putin and his sick clique. <laughs> They see the dreams come through when they see the, the delays or some scandals and they see freedom to fall when the support of freedom fighters go down and people like Putin shouldn't even hope to conquer freedom. And we can show our children, grandchildren, what real confidence is. As well. Okay, we can take out this. Obviously not written by him. It's written by a PR guy who we pay with our tax dollars. Uh, but the message is there. Now, if I'm a Senate Republican, even if I'm kind of like, hey, maybe we should give him some money, this would really irritate me because he says all this debating, all of these scandals, he's probably meaning the corruption scandals in Ukraine, all of these things coming out, it's all your fault. You are just appeasing Putin by doing this. Americans who will watch this guy talk that way to, uh, to Senator, I <laughs> Here, don't know. I don't, what do you can think? Can I sign a check? Yeah, yeah, I want yeah. to donate money to yeah. this guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's no, a, it's a real tragedy. I think what's, uh, what we're witnessing and what's really happening and why the pressure is there. Yeah, there's pressure for Christmas vacations. There's pressure on the budgets. There's pressures on our borders. But I think the big issue is that there's pressure on the... Uh, American empire, Yeah, you know, because this was a strategy that was designed, uh, you know, by our side, uh, you know, doing things that we didn't do immediately because we were we were wanting to get a peace dividend. And we did have a peace dividend, yeah. but uh, it didn't last very long because after a few years, people got antsy. Well, we need to we need to, you know, the Russians might, uh, you know, 
get powerful again and invade Europe. So they, they had to concoct an enemy, so they create their enemy by doing what they're doing. And in a way, though, how foolish this is and how close we are to total bankruptcy, it, it, it's going to put some dent into the empire. And I, and I think that's good. I think that eliminates a lot of power from our, uh, you know, military industrial complex. It removes the power of the secrecy and what goes on in our Federal Reserve system. It, uh, it puts a dent in this exclusion. I mean, it's so disgusting when they talk about, uh, you, you know, the Democrats are saying the former president He's created an insurrection. Yeah. Well, this is this is crazy. If you want to see an insurrection, go to the border. Yeah. I mean, no what kidding. did they do? They say, "Oh, we're going to invade you," but oh, okay, we're not going to fight you. Uh, we're going to open up the doors and we're going to we're going to buy you a hotel room and yeah. we're going to take care of you. And we're going to feed you. It's total insanity, and the insanity is catching up. Well, you know, with the American people, but. I would hope that not only it's a good chance that they won't get their money before the before the new year, the 60 billion. But that's just hope and pray they don't get it. And uh, they puts a damper on trying to admit the truth. The truth is they've lost the war over there. Yeah, everyone and, knows uh, it. Yeah. And that means that you love Hitler, love Hitler, love yeah. uh, that you love uh, Putin, and therefore you have to, you know, uh, be stopped because you're unpatriotic. And uh, but I think there's a big, big change going on, and some of it could be very positive. But somebody has to fill up, fill the vacuum. And of course, we do our best to try to describe what it would be be like if uh, if we if we had a republic uh, effort you know and, and try to restore the principles of a republic but uh, we, we have a long way to go although you know there's been inroads there's more people talking about it and they understand it but right now I, I think the the deep state and wokeism is uh, when, when you look at what's going on in our universities that to me was a wake-up call wokeism look at the results of wokeism in our universities and that's where we get all our information they they pay the Federal Reserve to articles to put them into the university is nothing more than just a subsidy so I, I I think, I think it's. I, I might be totally naive that people are waking up, but how can they not wake up? All I know is they don't wake up. Uh, it, it's not going to gradually get better. It's, if if we gradually get poorer and poorer, no, there is going to be a gradual increase in the hatred and the violence that has gone on. Yeah. Now I'm not confident that uh, that this vote will fail. I mean, if they put it to the floor, a straight vote on money for Ukraine. Here's my guess, and I was in a few interviews this week and I talked about it, but my guess will be that they will sweeten the pot a little bit by maybe putting in some oversight or the appearance of some oversight to peel away a few Republicans so that when they go back to their district and meet angry constituents, they'll say, yeah, I did vote for it, but finally I stood hard and strong for some oversight. We finally have oversight. I think that's what's going to happen. I don't know that there are the votes to block this. But I'll tell you what, there's one senator that has the guts to... to recognize himself and his fellow colleagues being insulted by a guy who comes out here with his hat in his hand demanding our taxpayer money and that's jd vance from ohio and let's watch this clip he's on with laura ingram he gets it he watched what Zelensky said and he was infuriated by this i think we can watch this whole clip uh it's not a long one but listen to jd vance 
Laura, it's utterly disgraceful. We're about to go through the United States Senate tomorrow, a very undignified process where Zelensky comes to town and demands that you give him, the American taxpayer gives him another $61 billion. And oh, by the way, if you want to secure your border first, you are actually a Putin puppet. He said this publicly today. I think it's disgraceful. I think it's grotesque. And I think that it comes at a time, Laura, when Republicans are actually showing some unity and some courage about the importance of the American southern border. So this is purely designed to apply pressure on Republicans to give up their fight on the border and write another blank check to Ukraine. I'm not doing it. I don't think Republicans should go for it's it at risky. all. Or it's <clears throat> utterly yeah, disgraceful. So We're about to go through the United States it's Senate tomorrow. He represents a very... the future. Yeah, yeah. He's very he's good. He's good. On he's it. young, uh, and he surprised the people in yeah. Ohio. And yeah. he won that. And, and uh, maybe there'll be more of that, you know, come next year, even though we're not the super uh, supporters of assuming that just the next election, everything's yeah, going to be all right. Yeah. But this is information. You know, this he's gotten and he's explained it so, yeah. so much better than why we have to. Well, we have to split the difference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, put a little bit of money on the border and put a put a little bit of money to uh, to, to Ukraine and uh, settle people down. Uh, that that uh, that's going to be over, and uh, that senator is just great. Yeah, he's he's very good on this issue. We'll skip one clip and go to the next one because this is what it's really all about, Dr. Paul. Let's let's not fool ourselves. Um, this is uh, Zelensky in the midst. Here we go. Uh, Michael Tracy tweeted this: Zelensky met with U.S. arms manufacturers yesterday in D.C. Here he is pictured alongside executives from Lockheed Martin, Boeing. Northrop Grumman, General Dynamics, and others. Looks like many lucrative business opportunities are still ahead for these valued partners. He actually here is doing the quiet part out loud. He's meeting with these delighted, delighted weapons manufacturers who are billions of dollars richer because of this war. And I think, Dr. Paul, that is why there's this last ditch effort. The people you see in that picture are terrified that the spigot will be turned off because that spigot is their enormous, enormous wealth that continues to flow into these people at the yeah, expense you know, of us. We have to hang on to the picture because we, I do at least, I get questions. Who are these people? Who's yeah. in the deep state? Who has the control? Yeah. And I try not to say, well, I have the names of the 12 people. There are about 12 people there. They're, they're pretty prime members of the, of yeah. the deep state. But I think it's a little bit uh, more complex than that. But there is a deep state and they represent it. And they've been elusive. But here, this picture is something else. And they're, they're not even shy yeah. you know about this in the past i think they assumed that the american people would they know if we're making profits you know remember progressive democrats yeah. used to frown on uh, on the military industrial complex exactly. making money yeah but but now they're part of they it they love it yeah, yeah so, so uh there's a, a lot of a uh, lot of things going on there so i think that's a, a great picture and people should look at that and say are you serious yeah and somebody add up how much money each one of those companies get oh yeah, uh, yeah. have gotten over over the last what, 10 years or yeah. something. And it's into the many, many billions of dollars. Yeah, he's their cash cow, you know. That's <laughs> and, what and, and also, 
what they spent it on was weapon. Well, that's national defense. That's a lot of baloney. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we don't get blown up in spite of ourselves, but we blow up a lot of other people, and we cause a lot of other people to go to war, and we have our side, and they have their side, and yet we're on both sides sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As long as you can keep producing the weapons. Right now, they're not worried about having used up all these weapons because they're going to be, the manufacturers are back at it again. And they're going to cry about, oh, we're, we're in trouble now and you know you better subsidize us and but the whole effort is subsidies yeah. and, and support for for a principle that's completely wrong yeah well speaking of we support one side and sometimes both sides <laughs> we want to talk a little bit about this next article and thanks to antiwar.com for putting it up as our featured article today this is Aaron Maté who is with uh, our good friend Max Blumenthal over at the Gray Zone a publication I highly recommend um, and, Ma and Aaron has something on his private substack with a pretty provocative title. He says, Israel's genocide in Gaza has Biden's green light. And I think this is an important approach because there are a lot of people who are taking sides this way or that. But I think Aaron hits it right here, which is that the horrible things that are happening in Gaza, and it's objectively true, you talk about 20,000 dead, including 10,000 children, which cannot be said to be members of Hamas in any way, shape, or form. Um, this tragedy is happening, and a lot of it is happening because of the United States, the Biden administration, the military-industrial complex, the green light that they're giving, and also the haplessness of our diplomacy. Now, go to the next clip, because here is Aaron's piece. He talks about how Blinken has had to acknowledge that even his token request that Israel stop killing so many civilians was ignored. And here's how he did it. Listen to this. I talk about doublespeak. There does remain a gap between exactly what I said when I was there, the intent to protect civilians, and the actual results we're seeing on the ground. Now, most people would just say, yeah, he ignored me. I asked him to stop killing civilians. Netanyahu ignored me. Um, but this is not how Blinken put it. You know, and they say, we're going to just send you smaller bombs. Yeah, smaller bombs. Smaller yeah. bombs will solve this. But uh, Blinken, uh, Secretary of State, Blinken asked Israel to, he's asking Israel, make, make sure that a military operation in southern Gaza doesn't lead to an even higher amount of civilian casualties. Yeah, yeah. He'd make an official request and to, to Blinken. Uh, and, to, to him, it's minimizing, if we want them to minimize the harm to the people of Gaza, apparently means murdering slightly fewer of them. <laughs> I mean, that, that is so bad, you know. But they, this is the kind of, I'd like to use a stronger word, a, lo a lot of baloney that goes on to think it's a matter of degree. No, it's a matter of 100% principle. So whether it's a principle of welfareism where you're legally, uh, legally you can steal from one group and give it to somebody else no matter what they're representing or go in and you have interventionism overseas and you take on wars regardless of how to without without any congressional approval so this this is the uh, this is the concept they don't talk about that but but they talk about little bombs so they don't yeah. kill as many people at yeah. one time that that is that's it makes me a little ill maybe they can paint a happy face on the bomb so they're not so threatening but I think the point of Matei and the point that we would make is that the U.S. is facilitating this. It's horrible what the Israelis are doing. Uh, it's horrible that they're telling everyone, hey, move down south. It's a safe zone. And then they bomb them down south. 
you know, this is all sick. But what we can do as Americans is say that our government, Republicans and Democrats, are facilitating it. Every bomb being dropped is manufactured by us. Every dollar to buy those bombs is being given by us. And when we tell them gently, please uh, try to minimize this a little bit if you can, they say take a, take a leap, take a, take a hike. Um, and that's the problem. And not only that, but the Biden administration is so, is so intent on giving a blank check to Israel to doing whatever it wants with our money and weapons that they even circumvent U.S. law. Now put up this next clip. This is from Aaron's piece. He says the Biden administration is so committed to fueling the carnage in Gaza that it has even invoked rare emergency powers for transferring tank ammunition without congressional review. This is a quote from the New York Times. The arms shipment has been put on an expedited track and Congress has no power to stop it. So they've circumvented congressional review. They refuse to follow U.S. law, which bars weapons transfers to countries that commit serious human rights abuses. And Matei finishes this segment by saying the Biden administration has evaded this requirement by simply pretending that it is a helpless bystander rather than a willing accomplice. Excellent sentence. You know, what about this? We, we give them the money and, and, uh, and then they're doing things that we, we don't like, uh, the people who have to pay it, the American citizen. And our, our government will come so, well, we respect the integrity of these countries. We shouldn't tell them what to do. Yeah. Yet we give them the money to do it and they're our bombs. Uh, you know, Netanyahu said something that wasn't sincere as far as moving in the right direction. But Netanyahu said is doing in uh, the CNN that his military is doing a, the, the Israeli, uh, you, you know, exemplary job trying to minimize civilian casualties. <laughs> but then they later on, they asked uh, the National Security Advisor Sullivan about this. And he refused to even pick up on that and say, well, that is good. We really need to do something like that. He wouldn't even acknowledge you because when Netanyahu becomes more aggressive than the American political system, there's something seriously wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I saw this is not on our predetermined plan, but, you know, I was watching a video uh, and there was the ambassador of South Africa to Israel. He was out in the fields uh, in uh, Palestinian lands. And the Palestinians were trying to pick some olives. I don't know how you feel about these olive trees. <laughs> they were trying to pick some olives, and the Israeli military came and was threatening them and told them to get out of there. The South African ambassador said, come on, why don't you just let them pick the olives? They're not hurting anyone. Just let them get these olives, you know? So it says a lot. But not only is the U.S. pretending to be an innocent bystander, while in fact it's giving them everything they need. Let's put this next one on from antiwar.com and Dave DeCamp. They're going above and beyond the call of that duty. Israel has used U.S.-supplied white phosphorus in an attack on southern Lebanon. So we are giving them white phosphorus munitions, which are some of the most horrible uh, munitions possible. They come down, they float down from the sky, and they burn through your skin and through your bones. Uh, really gruesome stuff. The Israelis are dropping it on Lebanon. So we are actually responsible for widening this war into Lebanon. You know, we mentioned frequently that uh, some of our uh, 
you know, progressives in Congress were better at one time than they are now, and they're not so progressive in understanding about staying out of wars because of the uh, subsidy of the big, uh, big uh, corporations. But you bring a subject of up all of us. That's interesting to me because you know maybe the approach shouldn't be that you know you need to vote against these wars because it's helping these corporations. Maybe we should we we should approach them from the environmental reasons. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't. I mean that's what uh, you know. I just it's somebody. It's sort of like somebody invades our country, and the one thing is, is that it's ruthless and does all this evil. But the one thing that we're going to do is we're going to cut down all your big trees in California. Yeah, you know yeah. the, the the trees are a thousand years old. Yeah. So but it, but it also trees trees are, can't be symbolic. When you think about the Liberty Tree oh, yeah. at the time of the founding, that's where they met and understood it. And the Liberty Tree, that was one of the first things the British did, was yeah. chop down the Liberty Tree. That's so, right. That's so, right. We to, yeah. Well, even the Europeans, you know, who've been very wishy-washy on this. Uh, this is Josep uh, Borrell, who's their top diplomat in the EU Commission. Let's put him up just really quick before we move on to our last topic. He came out with a statement yesterday, which is pretty strong, especially when you consider how the Europeans have been behaving. He said, Josep Borrell, the EU's top diplomat, said on Monday that the destruction of buildings in Gaza since 7 October is greater than the destruction suffered by German cities during the Second World War. And that is pretty bad stuff. So we know it's a disaster. We don't have the photo with me now, but I sent it to you. Uh, the first photo, they have a beautiful university down there in Gaza. And you were surprised. It looked very, very modern. Oh, yeah. And then the Israelis... Put it to the ground, put it to the ground. And, you know, that was a learning experience for me because the propaganda has convinced me that they, that they were totally uncivilized. Yeah, they were living in tents. Yeah. And here, when you look at the, the city, it, under the conditions of a blockade yeah. where they can't even walk outside and leave, leave town or go shopping or travel. I mean, it's a total blockade, yeah. and they were still able to do that. So they, they, go, they go underground. I mean, that, that's how desperate some people feel about uh, their independence and their personal liberties rather than putting up, you know, with the authoritarian group that wants to control them. But that's, uh, I, I guess, the message of all of history. It seems like there's always one group wanting to take away the liberty of somebody else. You know, once a person de de uh, demands special privileges, they cannot get it without first taking it from somebody Someone else, else whether it's right. financial or their liberties. And uh, that's the carelessness of what we do on a daily basis in our Congress. Yeah, we take, uh, yeah, we need to help these, help these people. But who are you going to punish? And that, that's uh, the question they don't ask because they, they can't quite understand it. Yeah. Well, the last little tidbit we want to throw out because it is the Christmas season is our one of our least favorite neighbors, which we used to think was a favorite neighbor, and that's Canada. You know, a few weeks ago, they welcome a Nazi on the floor of their parliament. <laughs> hey, guy, how you doing? And now here they do it. They're canceling Christmas, Dr. Paul. Canadian Human Rights Commission labels Christmas celebration, quote, discrimination grounded in colonialism. Well, you know, there's a lot of people been arguing that uh, this wokeism is anti-Christian. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I think a lot of people who participate and pretend they're doing some good things with wokeism and being fair, you know, it's always couched in terms, we want fairness yeah. and equity and, and, and that sort of thing. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible thing because they 
you know, use it as an excuse to just go hit, go and run over people. And I think there's a lot. I think Marxism, you know, everybody knows that Marxism, if we talk, they don't talk about it as much as they did a couple of years ago, cultural Marxism. And I think there is a Marxist approach. Maybe it wasn't exactly like Karl Marx, yeah. but there's a Marxist, uh, socialist, uh, uh, communist type of approach, authoritarian approach that uh, means that uh, because the, there's been a um, development of the concept, well, you have to do something because uh, you, you can't have right and wrong. Oh, you mean Christians have principles that some talk about it, you shouldn't kill people, or you shouldn't yeah. rob people? Well, that would be bad. We want, we want a vacuum there. We, we don't want anybody guiding moral principles because they're the enemy of the state. So they have to get rid of that. And that's why I think there's a lot of this already going on, the anti-religious elements, yeah. you know. How about our universities, you know? You know probably, it's probably in, embedded in our universities too. I'm sure. Well, this, this, uh, there's the Canadian Human Rights Commission. <laughs> and they said that Christianity's two biggest holy days, Christmas and Easter, are examples of present-day systemic religious discrimination linked to colonialism. All I can say is I hope when Santa Claus comes down from the North Pole, he does not stop at any one of their houses. <laughs> Fly right over. Boom. Take it over, Donner and Blitzen. Yeah. <laughs> well, who knows? Something's, something's going to happen. But I think there's been some stirring, you know, just like you can stir up parents if you can show to the parents who still care about their children that what they're doing is they're destroying destroying our kids, even if they're pretending what they're doing is giving them good health yeah. advice. No, they, they will wake up. And if you attack Santa Claus, you yeah. know, I always said that when I was starting to run uh, for Congress, uh, Carol, my wife, and would say, what are, you, what are you doing this for? She says, you might win. I said, no, don't worry about it. They'll never elect uh, somebody who's against Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're uh, they may be for the Santa Claus, the political Santa Claus, but we want people to know something about meritocracy. That's right. <laughs> well, I'm just going to close up by thanking our viewers. Our numbers are a little lower. I know you're out shopping, but don't, uh, don't skip the show. Hey, if there's something we're not covering that you'd like to see covering that would make you watch more, uh, just drop some comments in the comments section. We'd love to hear from you. Dr. Paul and I look at the comments, whether on Rumble, where we're live every day, or on YouTube later. We look at your comments. Uh, we look at your suggestions. We definitely consider what you have to say. So this is a two-way street. We do our best to communicate to you, but we also listen when you communicate to us. So thanks for watching. Over to you, Dr. Paul. Very good. You know, it, it amazes me that the big dilemma right now in Washington is trying to figure out, you know, what they should do with the money they don't have. And uh, people want the money to protect our borders. And uh, although that I'm sure they can waste monies there, they have spent some money, but it's more legitimate than, say, getting more money for Ukraine. But the argument goes back and forth which, which one they should, should, should use. And uh, they, they, can't, uh, they can't make, make up their mind because uh, you know they don't know what the principle is, but they they, uh, they 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 will solve the problem by using the money for both. That's the compromise. And sometimes uh, the the two sides have no relationship at all to freedom because there's always has to be a victim, you know, by governments doing this. And that is, is where the problem is. You can't say, okay, well. 
we have to find some money and then they then they talk about this guilt the, the guilt trip uh, that people well you, you know everybody has to you know have an enemy sometimes white people are the enemy sometimes it's dark people that are, are the enemy and nobody takes the advice of Martin Luther King and says why don't you forget about the color of a person's skin and yet where are the progressives now saying Martin Luther King had it right but no, everything we're doing now indirectly is looking at the color of the skin and you're going to be put into a category. Well, we believe as libertarians, categories are very, very important. You can identify the people who would like to take away your liberties. At the same time, you can identify the most important category, and that's the individual. And individualism means individual responsibility and an ability to, uh, to take care of yourself and keep what you earn. That is what, uh, the, the, what is lacking. And that's what freedom is. It's, it's individual liberty. But if it's collective, anything, I say, well, this group of billion people here, you know, deserve this, 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 and we have to take care of it. And right now, you know, we're not uh, favoring the Christians, so we'll have to do something about that. No, the individual is the person you protect. And a lot of people say, oh, that's, that's too harsh. I mean, how, that is such a harsh thing. There would be no rules and regulations. Yeah, just look at the rules and regulations in our universities now. You look at those college presidents trying to figure out what what should be the code of what should be the code of conduct be. They don't even know know what it means. They don't. They how can they help educate our children? They can't even define what a woman should be. How are they going to teach them biology? I mean, it is so mixed up that the American people have to hone in on certain principles and of course the principles that we like to promote here at the Liberty Report is the principle of individual liberty because we do sincerely believe if you're looking for peace and prosperity that's where you'll find it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.